0: Uh, This morning, I'm going to uh, speak on four Proverbs that describe something as a tree of life. Uh, But before I begin, I just wanted to make a couple of comments uh, on what the book of Proverbs really is, Uh, because I think sometimes there's a little bit of misconception around what Proverbs are. Proverbs is what we call wisdom literature, and it is a type of literature that was very common in the ancient Near East when the Bible was written. When people describe someone as wise in that context, they weren't describing someone who had a lot of knowledge. They weren't describing someone who knew well. They were describing someone who lived well. And so when someone was called wise in that context, it wasn't necessarily someone who had a lot of head knowledge. It was when you observed their life, Did they live in a way that was healthy? Did they live in a way that was fulfilling? And when they saw that, that is what they called blessed. Now, when Solomon and the various authors of Proverbs sat down to write Proverbs, what they were essentially doing is they were observing the lives of these people who were wise, who lived well, and they were asking themselves, what principles govern the lives of people who are wise? What principles do people who live well live by? This is important because you need to understand that the book of Proverbs is not a book of promises. It's a book of principles. When you live by these principles, it will enable you to live well. It will enable you to be wise. Is that all good? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living, it's active, and it has the power to change us. Lord, I thank you, God, that your word is full of principles, that if we action will enable us to live in a way that is healthy and fulfilling. Lord, I pray that people would look at this church and they would describe us as wise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, the word proximity can be defined as nearness in space, time, and relationship. The word proximity is to do with how close you are to something else. And in life, proximity is important. For your Wi-Fi connection, proximity is important. How many people know that the closer you get to where your modem is, the better your connection will be? Proximity is important. Proximity is important when you're picking a car park when you go grocery shopping, because you don't want to be walking for a long time in the rain with your groceries to your car. Proximity is important. How many people know that proximity is important when you go see your favorite Music artist in concert. Not to name and shame Tali but she once spent 12 hours waiting in line to get into the VIP section of a Beyonce concert. But you better believe that she was close enough to touch Queen B. Okay. Proximity is important. Proximity is important when you're going on holiday. How many people know that the better the accommodation is, is the closer in proximity it is to the attractions that you want to go to? Proximity is important in your relationships. How many people know you're so much more likely to misunderstand the person that you're in relationship with when you're not walking in close proximity with them, when you're not understanding what's happening in their mind and world? You gotta understand today that nearness and closeness, proximity in life is important. Proximity is important in your relationship with God. Nearness and closeness, walking near and close to God is important in your relationship with God. In fact, I would say this, the closer you are to Him, the more likely you are to be transformed by Him. The more closely you walk for Him, the closer your proximity is, the more likely you are to be transformed by His life. And that is what this metaphor of the tree of life, this theme of the tree of life is all about. Are you ready for some Bible this morning? I'm going to give you some Bible this morning. Is that all right? All right, I want to talk to you about where the tree of life finds itself, because the tree of life is a loaded theological concept. When the authors of Proverbs start talking about the tree of life, they're wanting your mind to go back to what you know of the tree of life in the book of Genesis. And this is what it says, Genesis 2, 8 to 9, on the screen and in your notes. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he had put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now you might not have noticed, but actually God gives you some topography in this scripture. He gives you some understanding of the lay of the land. He says that there's a place called Eden, and in Eden there's a garden, and then in the middle of the garden is the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is a fascinating detail because later when God comes to the Israelites and gives them the plans for the building of the temple, which is the sign of where his presence will dwell amongst his people, it says that he always so gives them Three layers of space, the same way he gives three layers of space in the garden. He says that in the temple, there will be an outer court, a holy place, and a holy of holies. Just like how in the garden, there was Eden. There was the Garden of Eden and then the middle of the garden. That's telling us that there is three layers of what we call sacred space. It's also telling us that the garden was meant to function as a temple. When you think the Garden of Eden, think of it like a temple. It was a temple garden, an access point between heaven and earth. It was a place where man and God were meant to meet. And in that place, there was three layers of sacred space. There was Eden, the garden, and then the middle of the garden. The middle of the garden is meant to be the most holy place. It is the holy of holies in the garden, the place where God's presence is most strongly witnessed, where God's presence is most strongly felt. That was the place where God met with Adam and Eve. Proximity, even in the garden, mattered. Even before the fall, even before sin came into the world, proximity, nearness, and closeness mattered. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because it was here in the middle of the garden, in the most sacred space of the garden, the Holy of Holies, it was here that God planted the tree of life. It was here that God planted the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, You've heard of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before because that's the one that man eats from and then falls. That's the one that God says, don't eat from it because you will surely die. But we don't talk about the tree of life as much. It's interesting because even though God says don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he makes no such rule against eating from the tree of life. This is what he says in Genesis two fifteen to 17. It says, the Lord God took the man put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. In other words, God assumes that man will eat from the tree of life. And in fact, he needs to. The reason that the man needs to eat from the tree of life is that because even before the fall, even without sin and corruption, man was not created innately immortal. Eternity belongs only to God. And so what God said to man is that you will eat from the tree of life and in eating from it, your life will be renewed. You will not corrupt unto death. The point is this, Man's ability to live forever was dependent on being transformed by God's life. And so in the center of the garden, God places the tree of life and continued eating from it will enable man's life to be renewed and death to be prevented. Adam and Eve by faith would eat the fruit, and as they did, they would be renewed by the gift of God's own life to eternal life. Now I know I'm laboring the point here, but you need to get this this morning because I don't want you to go thinking that the tree of life was like some elixir of life, some philosopher's stone. I don't want you thinking that the tree had some magical powers, that it still exists. And if we go find it today, like some Indiana Jones movie, that we will all live forever. That's not the point of the tree of life, nor is it the point of the sermon. The fruit wasn't about some magical power that enabled man to live forever. The power wasn't in the fruit. The power was in what the fruit represented. In fact, guys, Adam and Eve ate the fruit like you and I eat communion. In fact, in many ways, eating the fruit was like the first communion. You see, by faith, you and I take the bread and wine to represent our proximity, come on, our relationship with God and our transformation by His life from death to life. In the same way Adam and Eve took the fruit to represent their nearness and closeness and proximity to Him, and therefore their transformation into eternal life by His life. It was the first communion. This is why God put the tree of life at the center of the garden, in the Holy of Holies because he wanted them to know that transformation in them was not about some mystical power or object that they laid hold of. No, they had to go into the center of the presence of God to get it. Because you've got to understand today that the Christian life isn't about transformation by a tool or transformation by an idea. It's not about transformation by something that we can do or put in action. It's about transformation by the very life of Christ. And so God put the tree of life into the center of the garden, the holy of holies, so they had to get in close proximity to him and thereby they were transformed by his life. Can someone say amen? Amen Amen and amen. So when we start to talk about the tree of life, what we're really talking about is proximity to God, which enables transformation in you. When something is described in Proverbs as a tree of life, This is describing something that puts you in proximity to God and thereby enables transformation in you. Friend, in this place today, I want proximity to God because you better believe that I need some transformation. So I'm going to access whatever I can that puts me close to Him that enables transformation in me. That's what these four proverbs that I'm going to cover today is all about. Are you ready? All right, the first thing that Proverbs describes as a tree of life is wisdom. It says the wisdom is a tree of life. This is what Proverbs 3, 13 to 18 says. It says, blessed are those who find wisdom, excuse me, not 13 to 18, it's 13 and 18. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, a couple of verses down, says this, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold fast to her will be blessed. It's truly fascinating that the first thing that Proverbs talks about as a tree of life is wisdom, because actually when you think about it, the choice in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve had, the choice between two trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, essentially that decision was a choice between wisdom or knowledge. See, wisdom says this, I trust God to define what good is. I trust God to define what the good of man is, but the tree of knowledge represented man reaching out and taking the ability to define good for himself. See, this is what knowledge says. Knowledge says man defines what prospers life and what destroys life, but wisdom says God defines what prospers life and what destroys life. Knowledge says I will define for myself what good and evil is. Whereas wisdom says, I trust God to define what good and evil is. Knowledge says, I know best. Wisdom says, God knows best. See, this was the choice in the Garden of Eden. It was the choice between wisdom or knowledge. And by choosing to pick the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, essentially what man is choosing is to try and shape their own paradise try and define their own good, try to shape what it means for man to prosper in life. And have you noticed, we're not real good at it. You only need to look around at the world that we are part of to acknowledge that friend, we are nowhere near Eden anymore. The reality is that man chose a destiny that he was unable to fulfill because only God has the ability to shape a garden paradise like Eden, but the cost of paradise is that it comes at the submission to the owner of the garden. Wisdom or knowledge. Is it any wonder then that the author of Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? See, wisdom is a tree of life because wisdom submits to God. It places us in proximity to Him and therefore enables us to be transformed by His life. Friend, wisdom is a tree of life. And the takeaway point for you and me is I will choose wisdom over knowledge. Wisdom is a tree of life. Secondly, Proverbs says that righteous people are a tree of life. This is what it says, Proverbs 11, 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and the one who is wise saves lives. This is talking about how when you place yourself in proximity to brothers and sisters in the faith who are bearing fruit, that is going to be a tree of life to you. It's going to enable you to draw close to the presence of God and be transformed by his life. Now notice I very deliberately said, when you place yourself in proximity to those who are bearing good fruit. I wanna encourage you, when you're picking righteous brothers and sisters to do life with, look for the fruit. Don't look for the conversation. Don't look for the worship moves. Listen, anyone can throw their hands up super, super high in a praise and worship service, but can you yield the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control? It says, Jesus said, listen, that people will be known by their fruit. And so don't be fooled by eloquent talk or wise conversation. Friends, when you're picking people to surround yourself with, can I encourage you to look for fruit? Because righteous people are like a tree of life to you. And if you draw close to them, it'll enable you to draw close to God and be transformed by his life. So the second one is righteous people. The third one is, get this, fulfilled longing. Fulfilled longing is a tree of life. This is what it says, Proverbs thirteen twelve It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's a proverb that we hear reasonably often, but we don't often get to the second part. It says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. From we know the truth of hope being deferred, making the heart sick, because have you even noticed that in life, oftentimes a quick no is far more easy to take than a long drawn out period of disappointment. When you hope and keep rallying yourself again and a door gets closed and then you buff yourself up again and then the door closed, the Bible says that actually, that sort of hope deferred, that sort of repeated disappointment, that actually erodes the health of your inner life. It says that it makes the heart sick. But the second part of that passage says something different. It calls the opposite, fulfilled longing, a tree of life. Because friend, have you ever received, waited and received the fulfillment of a longing that has been a long time coming? Do you know the joy of that moment? How close that makes you feel to God? How transformed it makes you feel by his life? But obviously the tension in this passage is what about longings that don't seem to be fulfilled? And I think because of that, I I think it would be remiss of me not to mention that actually I think that this passage points forward to eternity. See, the Garden of Eden is by design a place of fulfilled desire, fulfilled longing. And because of this, I think the scripture points forward to new creation, to heaven, to eternity, where all of our longings and desires will be fulfilled. In fact, this is what it says in Revelation 22 verse 1 to 2. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. This is when the new heaven, the new earth uh, descends. And this is what it says. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great city of life, And on each side of the river, get this, stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Church, I want you to notice that when God describes new creation, he describes it as a garden city on top of a mountain from which flows a river and where there is a tree of life. When he described Eden, he described it as a garden temple on top of a mountain from which flows a river which has a tree of life at its center. Perhaps this proverb is pointing us forward to the hope of new creation, because the truth is this, no matter what unfulfilled desire you have in your heart, you can be assured that in the paradise of new creation, all desires will be fulfilled. And that fulfilled longing will be like to you a tree of life. Takeaway point, I will trust Jesus to fulfill all my longings. Last point today, last thing that Proverbs calls a tree of life. This is the one that gets up in everyone's business. A soothing tongue. This is what it says, Proverbs fifteen four. The soothing tongue, come on somebody, is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. This is talking about how words have the power to hurt or heal. Words have the power to speak life or death. Proverbs also says that life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Did you know today that words have the power to draw people close to the presence of God? Words have the power for you to draw your own soul close to the presence of God. Words have transformative power. And so what this scripture begs us to do is to look at the quality of our speech. Over yourself and over others, are you speaking words of healing or words of hurt? Are we speaking words of life? or words of death? Because Proverbs says that if you speak words of healing, then it will be unto you a tree of life. I want to ask you today, in the transformation of your own soul, are you utilizing the power of your speech? What words are you speaking over your life? What thoughts are you thinking over your life? Because Proverbs says that a soothing tongue, your decision to speak over you words of healing, come on somebody, that brings you in alignment with heaven. When you choose to speak over yourself words of healing, that will be to you a tree of life that will draw you close to God and it will enable you to be transformed by His life. What is the quantity excuse me, the content of your speech? Because words to you are a tree of life. Our takeaway point is I will speak healing words over myself and others. We're at right, the team of, uh, Sharon, come on up. Sharon's a wonderful intern at our church. She's such a blessing to our church. Can we clap for Sharon? She's amazing. When it comes to prop God, proximity is important. It's proximity to Him that enables transformation in you. That is what the tree of life represents. Proximity to God will allow His life to transform you unto eternal life. And as we walk through this life from creation to new creation, wisdom is like a tree of life to us. Righteous people are like a tree of life to us. Fulfilled longing is like a tree of life to us. And a soothing tongue is like a tree of life to us. But isn't it fascinating the way that the biblical narrative, the biblical story is bookended? It starts and finishes with two trees of life. (laughs) Eden, which starts with a garden temple atop a mountain from which a river flows and where there is a tree of life all the way through to new creation, which is a city garden on top of a hill from which a river flows and where there is a tree of life. And the reason that I wanted to say that is that the restoration of new creation is only enabled by a tree of life that sits in the middle. Because you've even noticed that the middle of the story, there stands another sort of tree on top of another sort of mountain. And that tree looks like a tree of death, but Jesus hung on it to make a tree of life. Friend, we might start and finish with a tree of life, but in the middle of the biblical narrative stands a very, very different sort of tree. On the top of Mount Calvary, there was a cross. There was a tree and it looked like a tree of death. But upon that tree, Jesus stretched out his arms so that you and I might receive the gift of his life and be transformed unto eternal life. In fact, Jesus said this about his life. He said to his disciples, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up to the last day. And it says that when he said this, that people were offended. They thought that Jesus was talking about cannibalism. It sounds weird, but when you understand that actually what Jesus was presenting himself was the new tree of life, the tree of life that they had seen Adam and Eve eating from in the garden, that represented proximity with God and transformation into eternal life. He was actually saying, friend, don't trip. That tree in Genesis was only ever meant to be pointing to me because I am the real tree of life. I am the vine, doesn't he say? You are the branches. And if you partake of my life, if you eat of my life, if you receive my life, then you will be transformed unto eternal life. See, the truth is this. We receive his life and we're transformed. We receive his life and we're renewed. We receive his life and we're redeemed and we're restored because he is the tree of life. And the biblical account was only ever pointing to Christ. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, this is your opportunity. If today you need to receive the life that is going to lead unto eternal life, then you need to know today that you won't find it by eating the fruit of the world. You will only find it by receiving Christ. His is the life that transforms. And so wherever you are on this journey of faith, no matter how far gone you feel or how close you feel, friend, Jesus is the way. And there is future and redemption for you when you receive Him. And so today, if you wanna receive Him, I'm gonna give you the opportunity. The Bible says that whoever confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord, that He will be raised from the dead, that He will be saved Today, eternity starts with the decision to receive from the tree of life, to receive the person of Jesus. And so today, if you want to make that decision, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three, and at the end of that, raise your hand. One, two, three, if that's you, raise your hand. You're saying, today, I need to receive Jesus. Awesome. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else today you want to make that decision to receive Jesus Awesome, awesome. Church, repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Today, I give my life to Jesus, holding nothing back. I turn from sin. I follow you. Thanks to you, I'm free. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you, church.